0: Appreciate that song, Robin. Isn't it an amazing thing that we have the creator of the entire universe available to us at any given moment? And how rarely do we actually take advantage of that? Uh, he, he wants us to talk to him. Uh, if you've got your Bible, get to Colossians chapter 3. I hope you spent time on your knees with the Lord today. Uh, I don't know about you, but uh, a lot of times, uh, obviously before I worked at the church and was all, and essentially here uh, even more than I was before I worked at the church, uh, just throughout the week, you know, between work and family and everything else we've got going on, Wednesday night service has always uh, served as a good reset button uh, for, for for the week, right? We, we get bogged down with so many things. I don't know if you're like me and that you're very easily distracted right? Uh, it, it, it does not take much to get me to lose focus on what I'm supposed to be doing. And uh, I'm, I'm obviously, I, I'm not saying that I don't do what I'm supposed to do, but it's very difficult to maintain focus sometimes because there are so many things in life that are vying for our attention. And there are so many interesting things that we can find, right? Uh, you can open up your phone and uh, I, I, I'm, I'm not a TikTok person. I think it's I think it's dumb, but uh, I, I definitely understand the, the like how somebody can I, I can see why people can just sit there and scroll for hours and hours and hours. There's there's so many things out there that you can listen to, hear about. There might be funny stuff out there to listen to it, but it's it, there's always some kind of distraction available. And as people, as we mature. Uh, we're supposed to be able to better deal with those distractions and continue to do what we're supposed to do. And uh, I I applaud you for being here on a Wednesday night, right? It shows that you are purposely uh, trying to focus on the Lord uh, when there are other things trying to grab your attention. And uh, I applaud you for that. That actually is uh, kind of the subject that we're looking to talk about tonight. Uh, It's not something that is a you know new and exciting thing, right? I hope you didn't come just to hear some new thing, uh, right? Uh, this is a very basic principle from the Bible, a very basic teaching uh, about how we're supposed to live as Christians. And uh, Colossians chapter 3, let's go ahead and stand for the reading of the Word of God. Title of the message today is going to be Seeking the Things That Are Above. And a uh, very novel concept, Colossians chapter 3, we're going to start in verse 1. The Bible says, if ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Set your affection on things above, not on the things of the earth, for ye are dead, and your life is hid with Christ and God. When Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then shall ye also appear with Him in glory. Mortify therefore your members which are upon the earth, fornication, uncleanness, inordinate affection, evil concupiscence, and covetousness covetousness, which is idolatry, for which things sake the wrath of God cometh on the children of disobedience. In the which ye also walked since some time when ye lived in them. But now ye also put off all these: anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy communication, out of your mouth. Lie not one to another, seeing that ye have put off the old man with his deeds, and have put on the new man, which is renewed in knowledge after the image of him that created him. Where there is neither Greek nor Jew, circumcision nor uncircumcision, "...barbarian, Scythian, bond nor free, but Christ is all and in all. Put on, therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, bowels of mercies, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, long-suffering, forbearing one another, and forgiving one another. If any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. And above all these things, put on charity, which is the bond of perfectness. And let the peace of God rule in your hearts." To which ye also are called in one body, and be ye thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. And whatsoever ye do in word or in deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by him. Uh, You may be seated. Lengthy portion of Scripture, but probably one of the most practical passages on the Christian life that, uh, that, that you're going to find. The very beginning of this passage uh, tells us how we are supposed to live as God's people. We are supposed to be seeking those things which are above, right? Uh, I don't know about you, but uh, my goal as a Christian, my goal as a man, as a husband, as a father, is to be seeking the things which are above. I think that that's not a new concept for any of us who've been saved for uh, really any length of time. We're supposed to be pursuing the things of God. We're supposed to be eternally minded, but we often get distracted, do we not? We often get to a place where we lose sight of what is most important, and Colossians chapter 3 here uh, really provides us a roadmap map of how we can ensure that we are seeking the things which are above. Before this, uh, before this chapter, Paul has spent a great deal of time explaining what Christianity is not. It's not intellectualism. It's not worshiping angels. It's not following a set of man-made rules. Uh, none of those things are a replacement for a genuine salvation experience. And in verse number one, Paul says, if ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above. Right? You're not going to truly seek the things that are above if you don't have a genuine salvation experience. If you are not born again, you cannot really seek the things which are above. There is a false version of Christianity and every other religion out there that uh, essentially wants people to seek heavenly things, but if it's not biblical Christianity, you're not truly seeking the things that are above. If you've been born again, it's an amazing thing to consider how Christ has saved us. It's an amazing thing to consider that the creator of the universe has a plan for each and every person here as an individual, regardless of your age, regardless of your status in life, regardless of uh, your background or education level, God has a plan specific to you. And this is one of those areas where it is the will of God for every single person, not just pastors, not just deacons, not just uh, someone in any kind of leadership position, but every Christian is supposed to be seeking the things that are above in their life. And uh, the very first way that we do that, uh, we're going to find that there, uh, right, right in verse 2, we're going to uh, set our affection on the things above. Right? If you are going to uh, seek the things that are above, you must first begin to set your affection upon them. That is a conscious decision that we make to value the things of God in a way that puts it above everything else in our life. Do you value the things of God? Uh, Have you allowed the things of God to change your point of view on really every area of your life? Seeking the things that are above, setting your affection on the things above, right? That is going to change the way that you operate as a spouse, as an individual, as an employee, as a boss. That is going to alter the way that you raise your children it's going to alter the way that you conduct your schedule setting your affection on the things above is a conscious decision that we must make by faith even when we don't necessarily see the immediate value in it what that verse tells us to set our affection on the things above when it tells us that that means that even when you don't feel like doing so you must choose to set your affection on the things above Right, Uh, I don't know about you. I'll be honest with you. Uh, Even as a pastor, there are times where I am frustrated and don't really feel like coming to church on Wednesday night. Even on Sunday morning and Sunday night, right? I've I felt it's like, man, I I just wish I could have one free evening, one morning where I don't have anything to do. But no, uh, if you're going to be a mature Christian, you must put aside the way that you feel. And say, you know what? Uh, what God wants is more important than what I want. That is setting our affection on the things above, right? Uh, kind of gives us a little bit more insight into that. In verse number three, it says, For ye are dead, and your life is hid in Christ. And uh, uh, why should we f- not focus on the things of this earth? Because the Bible here says that we're dead. And, you know, it's not really something that we necessarily. Uh, you know, you're not going to say that to like a regular person, right? You know, I'm, I'm dead, so I'm seeking the things that are above, right? That, that doesn't make sense to a lot of people. But uh, the Bible kind of has a way of uh, explaining being dead. In Romans chapter 6, it talks about being dead to your sin, dead to yourself, right? Uh, let, let's go ahead and turn over to Romans chapter 6. Because this is important. If we're going to set our affection on the things above, we have to be able to die to ourselves in order to seek what God wants us to seek. And so that means that we uh, have to make ourselves aware of the uh, lack of value in the things that we tend to value uh, more than they should be valued in this world. Romans chapter 6, verse number 11. The Bible says, Likewise, reckon ye also yourselves to be dead indeed into sin, "...but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body, that ye should obey it, in the lust thereof, uh, obey it in the lust thereof. Neither yield ye your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, but yield yourselves unto God as those that are alive from the dead, and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. For sin shall not have dominion over you for ye year, not under the law, but under grace." right? Someone who has chosen to set their affection on the things that are above rather than the things that are on this earth has, uh, has to die to what their natural desires are, right? We all want to seek what God wants us to seek. If we're going to seek what God wants us to seek, we must choose to say, you know what, uh, I am dead to my desires when they interfere with what God wants for me in my life. That's a difficult thing to do, Right, not a not an overly complicated subject, but a very difficult thing to practice because there's a lot of important things in life that do have a place in our life, but they should never take the place of God in our life. Right. Verse three and four, they're teaching us that we are dead to sin, and uh, it says, "When Christ, who is our life, shall appear, ye shall also appear with Him in glory." Right. Uh, the, the reason why we want to be dead to ourselves is because Christ is coming back someday. Yeah. He could come back tonight. He's coming back, and we're going to be with him in glory. Understand that all of the things that we value so much in this world, they're going to burn someday. Right? right? Uh, I talk to the teenagers all the time. Uh, you, you, know, you spend hours and hours playing video games, and a year from now, you're going to be playing something else. That game's not going to matter at all. Like, it, it, what's, the, what's the value of it? And uh, I, I like to pick on the teenagers, even though they're not even in here. There's adults that play a lot of video games. I like to play them a little bit, but uh, certainly not to the degree that teenagers like to play them. But there's all kinds of things that we waste our time on. You know what? Uh, the Bengals being terrible, which uh, I'm kind of happy about, uh, by the way. I'm, I'm, a, ha- I'm a Bengals hater. Uh, I know it's going to probably cause a few people to not want to listen to anything I have to say anymore, but... I root against the Bengals because they've been bad my entire life. But our, our, our devotion to sports teams, that is not going to matter. It's not going to matter five years from now. It certainly won't matter in eternity, right? The things that we do for Christ, right, those are the things that are going to matter in eternity. The way that you handled your family and your children, that's going to matter in eternity, the way that you handled your ministries here at church, the way that you handled witnessing to the lost, right? That is something that's going to matter in eternity. And understand when Christ appears, we're going to appear with him in glory and we're going to give an account for our life. That's a a reason why we should set our affection on the things above. Christ should be our life. And I ask you very simply, I know you're here on a Wednesday night. Could you honestly say to yourself, that Christ is my life? We all have lots of interests, we all have lots of pursuits in life, and you're going to have additional pursuits in adi- uh, uh, along with your pursuit of Christ, but uh, Christ should be at the front of that. Christ should be at the forefront of your life. What you do should always go through the filter of Christ being your life. If something that, uh, if you have anything going on in your life that detracts from Christ being at the center, understand that that is a, uh, Christ is not your life. By the way, he's the only one that's worthy of our life. There's, there's, there's no amount of money that is, that, that is worthy of your life. Right? I, 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 saw, I heard somebody say, uh, hey, uh, I, I'm going to give you $10 million, but you've got to spend it all today. And by the way, you're not going to wake up tomorrow. You're, you're going to die. Would you take it? Not a single person would take it. Right? What, what that says is that your, our, your, your life is worth more than $10 million. Right? There, there's no amount of money that we, would, that we could possibly take that would be worth our life, and yet over the course of our lifetime, we pursue money, we pursue things, we pursue uh, uh, accolades, we pursue all kinds of things that when it comes down to it, they are not worth our life. Christ alone is worth our life. And so if we're going to seek those things which are above, we must first set our affection. We must first choose to uh, value the things of God, and secondly, we must subdue our flesh, right? If you're going to set your affection on uh, the things that are above, if you're going to uh, value the things of God, you must then begin to subdue your flesh. That's what verses five through nine uh, begin to teach us, Uh, right, right? Verse number five, mortify therefore your members which are upon the earth fornication, uncleanness, inordinate affection, evil concupiscence, and covetousness, covetousness which is idolatry. For which things sake the wrath of God cometh upon the children of uh, cometh on the children of disobedience. Right, uh, the word mortify there. If you're not familiar with it, which uh, I, I have to write definitions in my Bible. That word mortify there just simply means uh, that. Uh, that we need to we need to deprive it of power. We need to destroy its strength, or even to make de- make something dead, right? Something that's alive, we are making it dead. And so, to mortify our members is to deprive our flesh of its power in our life. We need to, uh, uh, apart from just desiring in our hearts to pursue the things of God, we must put that into action by. Actively depriving our flesh from the power that it has over our decisions and over our mindset. right? Uh, and verse, verse number five, really, uh, all of those things in that list, they, they, they have a, a a sort of a definition and uh, an inclination towards sexual sin. right? Uh, fornication. it is sexual sin, it's lust. Uh, God knows what's in the heart of every person here. right? This letter was written to a church. And this message was given to people in a church, and so this is not uh, a, a reflection of the lost world that we live in, though our lost world has a huge problem with sexual sin. There is a problem with sexual sin even inside the walls of the church, right? What is in your heart is a bigger problem than you probably give it credit for. The things that you allow yourself to watch, the things that you allow yourself to dwell upon, the the way that you look at other people, that is something that God cares deeply about. And the reason why we struggle to value the things of God, the reason why we struggle to set our affection on the things of God is because we have allowed sin into our hearts and into our minds and specifically uh, issues in this area of sexual sin is something that we must address. You can't Uh, skate around it. We can't ignore it. We can't uh, point the finger at other people. We must look inside our own hearts. Lord, is there any lust within my own heart that displeases you? Is there anything that I watch, Lord, that displeases you? Is there anything that I read, Lord, that displeases you? Are there accounts that I follow that displease you, Lord? Is there anything in your heart that God would look at and say, hey, you are not properly controlling your flesh if so, you are always going to have a hard time valuing the things of God like you should. You're, going to have a, you're, you're, you're not going to value them. Fornication, uncleanness, it is, it is, it's not referring to hygiene. It's, it's, it's any behavior that's not morally sound. It's impurity, inordinate affection, right? Uh, it's uh, irregular, disorderly, or excessive. It's loving things and holding on to sin or harmful things knowing that they are uh, not worth the value that you've assigned to them and yet still holding on to them, right? We look at the drug addicts and say, you know, how can you allow your life to be destroyed, right? Don't you see what this is doing to you? Don't you see what this is doing to your family? And folks, Christians, we need to look inside the sin in our own lives, the lust in our own hearts, the sin that we have, and say, you know what, hey, buddy, don't you understand what that is doing to your heart? Don't you understand that that displeases the Lord? Don't you understand that that is something that is going to keep you from being where God wants you to be? It's important. Evil concupiscence is an irregular desire of sexual pleasure. It's coveting carnal things. And uh, each of these things, there's uh, uh, an element of similarity with regards to sexual sin, right? You might not like it, but every thought in your mind that nobody else knows about God knows, and it is going to affect your relationship with Him. Whether you believe it or not, it's going to affect your relationship with everybody else too. This is not just a sin that men deal with, by the way. This is something that every single person here must honestly and with the help of the Spirit of God, look in your own heart, ask the Lord, is there anything inside of me that I am not yielding to you, Lord, be it sexual sin, be it some other type of uh, desire that you have that is outside of the will of God for you, and you need to forsake it. We must mortify our members. We must yield our members to the Lord. We must deprive them of the power that they have over us. It's interesting that those are labeled as idolatry, by the way. Right? Right? we've we've placed these things as gods in our life, right? Is is that TV show so important to you that you just can't, you you have to finish it. You're just not going to stop watching. You already started. Even though you know it's not right, you're just going to keep doing it. You've made that a god. It's idolatry. Are are those genres of of novels that that important to you where where you're going to hold on to that knowing that it displeases the Lord? Is your social media account and the things that you listen to, are those so important that you're going to allow those things to have the place of God in your life? When we put it that way, it makes them sound very foolish, but it's very hard to actually put those things aside, and the Bible challenges us to do so. We must mortify our members, we must put off the old man. But now you also put off all these anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy communication out of your mouths, lie not one to another, seeing that you have put off the old man with his deeds. All the deeds listed here are things that each and every person here, including myself, has done and often still chooses to do in spite of us being born again Christians. Do you know why we struggle to have our affection set on the things that are above? Do you know why we struggle to value and stay close to God like we should? It's because we have allowed the old man back into our life. We've failed to control ourselves and we've allowed our sinful nature to bring these things back into our life and uh, leave these things in our life that should be put away. We're angry when we shouldn't be at things and people in our lives. Wrath. Right, you might not you might not be familiar with what wrath is. It's it's seeking vengeance essentially. I'm I, I'm I'm per, I, I can be pretty vindictive, at least in my own mind. Right, I I I I, I I'd, I'd like to think I've developed a lot of self control, but you know you know if somebody wrongs me, it's like you know I I just imagine the scenario where I get to do everything that's in my heart to get revenge. Right, I know that I'm not the only person getting getting some like wide eyes from people when say that so not going to act on it but it should be put away from us malice is harboring ill feelings and bitterness towards one another hmm i wonder how different our church would be if there weren't any conflicts among one another any 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 long standing bad blood over offenses that in light of eternity mean absolutely nothing That's supposed to be put away from us. That's something that will keep us from being right with God, keep us from being where God wants us to be regardless of the offense given. Blasphemy and filthy communication, right? Uh, we need to be pure in the way that we speak. We need to, uh, if, if we need to act everywhere we go as though Jesus was with us, right? Uh, there, there's, there's people that when we get around them, right, they, they, it seems like they bring out the worst in us right? Uh, I, I I know that, uh, you know, everybody has certain little friend groups, and, you know, I, I wonder how pure your communication is when you get around those folks that, you know, were with you when, you know, you weren't as right with, as close to the Lord as you are now, or, you know, they don't, they don't make any effort to be, uh, they're not Christians, and you, you're with them. I wonder how pure your communication is then. That's an indicator of whether you're seeking the things that are above, or whether you're seeking the things of this earth. If we're going to Seek the things that are above. We must subdue our flesh. We must set our affection on the things above. And uh, in part of, uh, in addition to putting off the old man, in addition to uh, choosing to control our members, we must put off the old man. And where many of us fall short is we fail to put on the new man. Right? The new man is something we must choose to put on. Uh, I don't know about you, but. Uh, A lot of us, uh, uh, most people, when they get saved, they first make effort to remove the sin from their life. And that's a great thing. We should do that. Where a lot of people fall short, when when you're trying to uh, get past sins in your life, you must put those away and then put something else in their place. And I think a lot of times we try to put off the old man without putting on the new man, right? The new man here uh, is in verse number 10. It says, and have put on the new man, which is renewed in knowledge after the image of him that created him, where there is neither Greek nor Jew, circumcision nor uncircumcision, uncircumcision, barbarian, Scythian, bond or free, but Christ is all and in all. The new man should be put on by believers. The new man, uh, right, right there where we just read, says he is re- in verse ten. He, says, he is renewed in knowledge after the image of him that created him, right. Believers seeking eternal things are going to pursue learning more of Jesus and being more like Him. Verse number 11 then tells us that there are no exceptions in, uh, uh, or, or, or people who are unable to do that right? If Christ is in you, it doesn't matter if you're a Jew or a Greek. It doesn't matter if you're one of the religious folks or someone who was not religious. It doesn't matter where you are from, your background, your wealth, your education level. You can put on the new man. You can put on Christ and choose to be like him. We must do so. Part of putting on this new man, this is Worth reading and considering each of these on your own time later, right? I hope that uh, you know if you get a quiet moment later today, you reread verses five through seventeen, and you know just ask the Lord as you go: Is there a, are any of these things in my life? Are there any of th- these things that need to be put away, and are, uh, do any of these things need to be put onto my life, Lord? Uh, the first thing it says: Bowels of mercy, right? Uh, any, when, it, when, it, when it, bowels of mercy is showing mercy a, a, as a gut reaction, so to speak right? By, by, by default, you are going to show mercy. I don't know about you, but that doesn't come naturally to me. I, I actually think this is something that doesn't really come naturally to anybody, though some of us might have more of a disposition towards that. We must put on the new man. The new man is renewed in knowledge after the image of Christ. Christ is the one who allows us to have bowels of mercy. Kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, long-suffering, forbearing, and forgiving, right? Those are, that, those are attributes of the new man. And then a uh, very, very interesting verse, verse number 14 says, and above all these things, put on charity, which is the bond of perfectness, right? Above all the other things that you're supposed to put on, the Bible tells us here that you are supposed to put on charity. Charity is the unconditional love of God. It is the love that God has for us on display from us to other people, right? Uh, the way that you view other people should be a reflection of how Christ looks at them and cares for them. I don't know about you, but that is, that is, that is top-level Christianity, if you ask me. That, but that actually is the thing we're supposed to be pursuing first and foremost. Above all these things, if you're putting on the new man, you're supposed to be putting on charity, Loving one another as Jesus loves, uh, loves them uh, should be our highest pursuit. Above pursuing all of these other things, above pursuing the things that uh, are uh, kind of come more naturally to us, we're supposed to seek to love people as God does. When we do that, that is a true eternal focus, right? Uh, Jesus didn't come and die for you to, you know, have a, have a Tesla and, uh, you, know, you know, a six-bedroom house right? Je- Jesus died for people, right? Jesus died for the homeless guy uh, in downtown Hamilton. Jesus died for you. Je- Jesus loves that, that, you know, the people that we look at as being, you know, the lowest in society. Uh, he loves them uh, as much as he loves you. He died for them, right? We were on visitation last week. Uh, uh, a guy with like yellow and purple hair uh, opened, the, uh, we knocked on it. Uh, I've got like a seventh grade girl with me, And uh, a knock on the door. This guy opens the door. He says, "Hail Satan!" and does like a Hitler salute at us, and then slams the door. Jesus died for that guy too. Even if even if he doesn't, even if he uses they them pronouns, Jesus died for 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 him and loves him. Charity in our hearts. I don't know about you, that wasn't my first thought. Right, when you, when you, see, when you see crazy people on the news, that Lord, Lord, help me to love them like you do. That's an eternal focus. And I don't know about you, but uh, as I studied this, as, as, as I went through this and prepared this, it was something that the Lord used to encourage me and just kind of push a reset button in a few areas of my life to have more of an eternal focus, to reset my affection on the things above rather than things that just don't matter. We set our affection on the things of God. We're not going to uh, get to it because we're out of time, but the, the verses after that, verses 16 and 17, are some things that we have to allow God to do in our life after we uh, have uh, uh, subdued our flesh and after we've set our affection. We have to allow ourselves to be shaped by God. The word lead is used a couple times there. Interesting thing to check out when you get some time, but I hope that you have been encouraged tonight to choose to value the things of God in a world filled with distractions, in a midst of busy life where I think for the, for the most part, if not everybody here, you're trying to do what you're supposed to do in life. You're trying to be what, who God wants you to be. We just need to push that reset button and say, Lord, am I really focused on everything you want me to focus on? Is there anything I need to adjust in my life? And I think that as you... Pray and ask the Lord that he can reveal some things to you and uh, you'll see a, a, a growth in your relationship with God, a closeness that you might not have had before. And uh, I'm going to go ahead and turn it over to Pastor and we'll be, uh, we'll be dismissed.